welcome back to another episode. I love to get to say that of Harvesting Her Way. Um, today we have a special guest, Lexi Wright. She is the host of Farming on Purpose and owner of Back Pocket Social Marketing. Um, this conversation that Lexi and I had was amazing. So many like nuggets of information. I know you will leave with something because we covered a wide range of things from food labeling, stability, um, sixth generation farming, different systems in the house, SEO, I mean, decision fatigue, all the things as a rural farm wife or anybody, honestly, um, in this age and era, let's go Taylor Swift, right? And we have an era, but literally it's the curse of knowledge, right? When we know more then it's like, we get overwhelmed with all the different things. So please join me in welcoming Lexi on this episode. I know you're going to love it. I also wanted to put in a nice plug for our episode sponsor before we kicked it off. And this week is all about the Midwest girl. And I am obsessed with the ownership of these ladies, um, what these sisters have done and grown their business to. Um, I hold a very high standard of customer service and I've gotten to experience it and they are just spot on top-notch ladies if you can visit them online at midwestgirl.com go shop with them there if you are local to the iowa area they support so many other small businesses around i shouldn't even just say iowa but there are several in iowa um, that they have their clothing and merchandise in and they have their own store in um, the millwork district in dubuque so huge shout out to our sponsor of today's episode without further ado let's dig into this episode well lexi welcome to my first podcast interview as harvesting her way. I didn't screw it up like I thought I would <laughs> when you're just so um, conditioned to say a title a certain way. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Um, so excited to have you. Um, I've just been on this binge of connecting with other farm women lately on the interviews and it has just like fueled my soul and the listeners are also appreciating it too, which always is obviously fun. So would we put something out there that's fun for us and our listeners? So um, you are just a perfect fit to contact to be on here. So thank you. Um, I always like to let people say their own bio. So how about you share it? Because otherwise I feel like it's really awkward and somebody else is reading the bio and they're staring at me like what to do, like what are you supposed to do at that point? So <laughs> if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience and our listeners a little about you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much first for having me. I'm really excited to be here and congratulations on season three. So exciting. If I had to put a weakness on a job interview application, it would be giving my bio. So that's my hey, disclaimer. Um, but just a little bit about me. I live in central Kansas. My husband and I um, just bought his family's, um, we're the sixth generation here on the farm. Um, so that's a big shift for us. We were starting our own farm from scratch prior to this. So we kind of joke that we transitioned from beginning first generation farmers to sixth generation farmers basically overnight. Um, <laughs> we've had so many learning opportunities since we've been here. Um, a little more about me. I uh, have four kids under the age of seven. So they keep us so busy and so entertained. Um light of my life, my whole world changed when, when they arrived, um, in a, so many good ways. And in so many, wow, this is different. Let's figure this <laughs> out ways. <laughs> Amen um, to that. 
Yes. And then um, what I do uh, day job wise, I am a marketing strategist. So I work with businesses, a lot of them ag related or rural companies um, who are really passionate about the food system or serving people in rural areas and help them optimize their online marketing presence, run social media ads, email marketing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, that was my skill set. I did not ever know that I would be doing that for a job. I went to school for horticulture and animal science. So to wind up in marketing was like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? But um, as I look back, I'm like, I should have known sooner that this was what I would be doing. I should have realized that this was my calling because I was doing like little side marketing projects for people basically since my freshman year of college. And I'm like, why <laughs> did I not put two and two together? Sometimes you have to live through the journey to realize that's what you're going to do. But so that's me in a nutshell. Well, good. I love that. And it is like, it's so human, you know, like, I love that you shared that. Um, It's almost like the answer to what do you feel harvesting your way, her way is like, I think that is the perfect answer. So I don't even have to ask that. Um, Because yes, most times we do, we just have to like go through it and realize like, okay, something that we think we want to do and we push ourselves through. Yes, there's something we're going to learn from it but it's actually those things that come natural to us that like gravitate that it's like, Oh, I just wasn't realizing like, this was it being like, hello, here it is. Like, this is what you should do. So I love that. Um, can you share a little bit more about the, um, people that you work with, like your passion connection to that? Like, I just think that's interesting that a lot of people don't realize the behind the scenes, you know, like some that aren't in as at, you know, an entrepreneur or in a business, Yes, they might farm or they work for a different corporation. They don't see the marketing behind it of all the work that, you know, and strategy, honestly, that goes into it. So please share. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I started doing this about 10 years ago um, was when I really got started and started taking on clients regularly. And then after 2020, um, things kind of went crazy. Everybody realized that having an online presence for your business was so much more important. Um, And so things at that point really just went like wildfire for me because all these farms that had been relying, um, farms and ag businesses that had been relying on, you know, connecting with people in person or things like that, those opportunities just weren't there anymore. And so they were having to make this change. And I think it's absolutely a good change. The means weren't necessarily fun to how we had to get here, Um, but a huge benefit to agriculture for us to kind of take the next step and really have an opportunity to scale businesses um, past our immediate local communities that we maybe thought was all we had access to. Um, So some of the behind the scenes with that, I do a lot of website design, helping folks realize, you know, your, how to make your website really efficient for people to go through and find what they need, be able to use it on their phone versus just on their desktop because 98% of people use it on their phone, Um, that kind of stuff. And then how to reconnect with those people after they've found you, help them find you, and then how to reconnect with them and nurture them and get to know them better and what they're looking for or why they came to you in the first place. The average first website visit or first interaction that you have with a potential customer online is like less than five seconds. So it's a very small amount of time that you have to capture that attention and show them who you are and what you do. Um, So having everything set up to be able to do that is incredibly important and it can be life-changing. Um, for a lot of businesses that that have had trouble, you know, expanding past where they're at right now. Um, so that's a lot of that. Um, and actually, 
um, around, let's see, what's the year is 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad things go fast. Yeah. Last year, um, I started a podcast called farming on purpose. And I did that because of a lot of these things that I was seeing ag businesses and farmers and people in my community go through of they had these big dreams and they wanted to do more and reach more people. And they just couldn't fathom how they could make that happen because they they just, there was no template for it. There was no concept of, you know, what's next for me in a business that's, that I'm kind of recreating post COVID and trying to market directly to consumers for the first time or whatever that looks like for their business. Um, And so I started having these conversations with people on my podcast about what their farm was doing um, successfully, just so people could hear other stories of, of what people were doing and find some of those templates. And it created a wonderful community that I was really lacking um, of, of other people in agriculture. Hopefully that answered your question. It is, it is. And it's fun because it's not like, like we're all multifaceted, which I think is fun. And then it makes me feel more normal where it's like, oh, I'm not the only one with like 10 other passions or, you know, (laughs) like things like that. I can relate completely. So um, I think that is so valuable, like coming from a marketing background, I've just always been that person that's like the Super Bowl ads, things like that. Like I'm thinking within that. And then my first job was actually being a media buyer. So then I'm thinking, okay, the cost of that, you know, the, how many views they're getting, like all those like nerdy things that everybody else is like, well, that commercial sucked or that was good. Right. (laughs) They're not thinking of anything else like that they're being sold to or all the thoughts and processes that go into it, which is, is just crazy for some people to fathom. So, um, I would love to dig into a little deeper of another thing that I am a super fan of and like misconceptions, things like that, of what you're seeing on the food labeling side. Um, Do you help the marketing part of that or like, what does that look like? Yeah. So food labeling, oh my gosh, can of worms. Um, There's so much that goes into that when we think about what we're basically trying to do. Um, is persuade a customer to buy our product. This little piece of paper that's wrapped around a can or wrapped around a package of beef or whatever it is. Um, And there's really not a lot of guidelines out there as to what you can and cannot say. Um, There are some, but there's not a lot. So realizing that there is a lot of communication and language being used on the packages of food that we see in the grocery store. And I think in ag, we have that that's a common thread for us. Like we like to be honest and communicate clearly with our customers and give them what we say we are giving them. And that's not always the case with the large corporations who are producing or processing, I should say, not necessarily producing food products. Um, And so this competition that a lot of us are up against of, well, I'm trying to convince somebody to buy my product over something else that they have an option for in the grocery store, which convincing someone to buy local versus what they have access to and are used to buying in the store is a whole other conversation. Um, But we're kind of up against um, a pretty difficult battle um, to use clear communication that we believe is honest with our customers. And still convey to them what it is that they are eating in simple terms, because it's all nuanced. Um, The diet culture and the information out there about food 
is astronomical, like so much information that you can find. And there's really like, you can find information to back up any opinion that you might have um, or that anyone has. And so it's very confusing and you can feel like you're diving down this rabbit hole of so much research, just trying to find like, I just want to eat healthier. Gosh, darn it. Why am I (laughs) researching these complicated scientific terms that I don't even want to know the answer to, but here I am because I saw it on my food package. Right. Um, So it, to me, I struggle to talk about it because it's such a rabbit hole. And as a business owner, like we're just trying to run a business that supports our family. And here we are fighting against, I shouldn't say fighting against, fighting alongside the other food product options to make sure that we have a viable share of the market. Mm-hmm. And fair, right? Like, um, yeah. like you said, depending on which side it's on, that like the popular opinion at the time might not get a good enough spot on the shelf or, you know, might not get picked up by a certain store. Um, we are pork producers. So I find that very interesting. Um, have been to DC to talk about that and talk with legislators about that. And it's just like mind blowing on how many regulations we can have to farm, but yet there's not that many regulations on what goes on the label. So, um, it's just, it's interesting, but I also think it's, um, powerful, what we can put on there, like even just saying, you know, like the origin is a big Mm -hmm. thing. And that was um, huge there for a while too, um, because it's valued like a U.S. product that's go, you know, like being received in Japan or Tokyo or wherever, like it holds value and they will pay more for that product because they know it's grown respectively. And like, it just, it has, I don't know, I want like a pride factor for the U S mm-hmm. that we can put that on there. But then yes, on the flip side, you know, you could have these other products out there that are claiming their one thing just to get you to buy them, but yet they are like deceiving on what's actually in the product. So mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree on that one. Um, and I think it's like, it's the curse of knowledge is what I call it. And my friends all get sick of me saying this um, because I'd say it too much, but it's the curse of knowledge because we all spend a lot of time in ag researching and knowing these things. And, and it's part of our everyday life. When we go to try to label our products for the average consumer to read them, so many of the words that we want to use don't make sense to them or they don't care about. They're like, well, I don't, what does that mean to me? What does that mean about this food product? And we're like, it's family owned. It's this, this, this. And then at the same time we go and say 98% of family farms are, or farms are family owned. So it's like, right. Does that matter to them? Is that special? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Standing out. Yeah. So that curse of knowledge of like trying to look at it from their perspective and say, what do they really care, care about that I can offer them? And how can I communicate that really clearly? Yeah, well, we don't currently do any direct-to-consumer sales. It's very near in the future for us. But mm-hmm. um, in marketing, I think that those first impression words matter. Even words like farm or ranch, um, things like that that you use in your marketing can say something very specific to your consumer. Um, I'm actually working with a business right now that they are a farm. They raise goats and they produce goat milk products. In their business name, they have the word farm. But they that limits them a lot because um, when consumers are looking for goat milk, soaps and lotions and 
bath products, they're not thinking farm. They're not looking for that title. Um, so the words that we choose, especially when we do our online marketing are so important. We have to think about what that consumer is going to search for and everything anymore is search term optimized related. Um, so having, having a clear understanding of what your customer is going to look for when they go to look for something like you, even if they don't know you yet is really helpful. I think that is a very good point. Um, and this might be going like a little too much like nerdy in the weeds for like, cause that's just how my brain thinks. Um, but for you, do you look at certain, um, tools to do the SEO term search? Do you look at studies that are going on since things are always changing, right? We're always evolving. Like what you said, the consumer that is looking for this goat soap product, they might be turned off by the word farm being used on it. But then in two years, it might flip and people are going to be like, oh, I want to see that word because then it directly makes me feel like I'm buying from a person, you know, those kind of things. So what in your background or like, what do you see to like research that, put it, you know, formulate that? Like, mm -hmm. how does that look for you? Yeah, I do. I use Google keyword planner as a tool um, for anything that we're doing when we're talking about, you know, words that are going to represent your company, company online. Um, and we look at forecasts and trends, but uh, speaking to the change piece of that, it's ever evolving. It's um, anymore. You cannot have a website that you just put up and never edit and forget about it. And oh my gosh, it's there. I mean, you, you can, but you're not going to be competitive. Right. You're not going to be keeping up on that first page of Google for any of the products that your customers are looking for. Um, so keeping up with trends, either online on social media, um, things that are Google is forecasting for search terms, or even just in culture mm -hmm. um, is really valuable. It, it pays to set aside time out of your day to know what the rest of the world is thinking. And that can be a little bit um, challenging sometimes um, because sometimes what the rest of the world is thinking is very negative. So I like to put boundaries around that, um, uh, but it, it really does pay off. Um, an example with, you know, all of the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey stuff that's going around right now, there is an entire like huge opportunity marketing wise for the recognition of being associated with either of those names or images or representations. Um, and you see that in memes, you see it in culture. So knowing when those things are coming and watching for them and thinking how they might apply to you and then updating your strategy constantly, really, um, mm -hmm. it, it's worth it. Being willing to change and um, adapt is what keeps people successful in their online marketing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's very fitting to agriculture as well. Like if yeah. we think back on, you know, like being a part of a sixth generation, like how that first generation started to what you guys are doing now, like there has been a lot of change, even though for a long time, like for me growing up, it felt like farming was always the same. And then I married into farming and then was more a part of the decisions or um, I guess my name on mortgages and things like that, where I was like, and then I also had I was in ag business as well. And so then you see it on both sides and it's like, yes, it is changing a lot. And depending on the markets that can flow and change what we do as well. Um, this sort of like inputs can change it too. So absolutely. I saw a really interesting thing online the other day that said, if you think about it um, by the number of mothers ago that something happened, 
it makes this timeline seem so much shorter because, you know, in a hundred years, there's only four generations maximum, really. So if you think back to your great, great grandmother, like how different the world was then. And really that's oh. only 75 years ago, maybe that she right. was your age. Pretty crazy, crazy to think about. <laughs> that is so crazy. I've never thought about it that way. There's a lot of times where I'm thinking generationally, but I haven't, th- yeah. Like that really kind of blows your mind too. If you say it does. About it. <laughs> kind of creepy too. Yeah. Um, and it goes along with the food thing um, as well. Like as I'd like to pick on that part of like your mom brain, because we know what's in these foods. Like we were raising a family and, you know, even as you said, sometimes curse of the knowledge, like, you know, things like, how do you balance all of that? I guess with what you feed your family and what they get to experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, it's something I battle with daily because as a person who owns a business and is farming and is a mom and you know, a hundred other things that we want to prioritize every day and there's never enough time food sometimes is the top priority. And sometimes it's one of the bottom priorities. So trying to make the next right decision um, for my family is what I really try to focus on. And sometimes that's making sure that no one is hangry and Mm -hmm. doing something. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that's making sure that we have a really nutrient-dense, balanced meal that I know where the things came from. Um, I really like to focus on building systems when I think about like food prep and how I feed my family, because that's what makes it sustainable for me. Um, I try to do batch work in everything in my life that I can. Uh, And if things get too crazy every once in a while, I realize, oh, I'm not having enough time to batch work things. And that's what's making my life feel hectic. I'm spreading it too thin and I'm trying to do things in little five, 10 minute chunks instead of focusing my time for an hour and then not thinking about it again for a whole nother week. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm jumping from thing to thing. Um, so systems that we try to use, you know, is like baking bread for the whole week on a Sunday night or, you know, chopping veggies that I'm going to use in three different dishes. Um, I do, I do a lot of meal prep on Sunday. So (laughs) you make my heart happy as a a wellness coach. So this is great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those systems, like the other one I do, I do a lot of meat prep ahead of time. Like the first steps I will like cook a roast and then freeze half of it or make like 50 hamburger patties and freeze them. Um, And it makes it more like those convenience foods that we're used to buying in the store as you just Mm -hmm. pull it out of the freezer and use it, but it still has the same, it it doesn't have the preservatives. It's the same nutrient dense quality and you know where it came from and you know how it was prepared and you have a little more control over that when you can work ahead a little bit on some of those things. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Um, I feel like, I don't know if it's just more of what I put out on put out there online that it seems like more people are prepping and the more people I talk to like because even just a simple plan of just knowing what you're going to eat or knowing what you have going on for the week is huge and I was one that I was never a big prepper so I cheat and whenever I'm like making something then at that time I'll just make twice or three times the amount and same thing then just throw it in the freezer and it feels like you're cheating like it literally <laughs> is like leftovers because it's like oh I've already done the work all I got to do is thaw it out and you're ready to go. Especially like you said, to keep people from being hangry. Cause when you have yes. kids, like, yes, they're all young, but it's still like, we're kind of in different phases here where mine are all busy in activities, which yours are maybe just starting that. But at your age, it's like, they're all right there and they need your attention. So 
it's just the same, but it's so different. Like I totally feel you the, the moment that you're in, it's just, it's crazy, um, to keep everybody, um, happy <laughs> and occupied at the same time. Right. And it's so different for every family. Like I grew up eating a lot of leftovers. Like mm-hmm. that was part of our meal planning was you make the food on Monday, you eat it also Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. My husband does not do leftovers. He will not eat them. Um, so that was something big that I had to like work through as I was doing some of these systems. It's like, that's not going to work. I'm not going to throw all this food away because nobody wants to eat it except for me. Right. Um, so it's just shifting the focus there and, and tweaking the process. I think like, that's something that you have to do, whether you're switching phases of life to, okay, we need more on the go meals that we can take to sports practice or mm-hmm. whatever that may be for your family. Yes. That repurposing is a big thing. Yeah. There's some people who just adamantly, I won't eat leftovers. Well, it's like, that's fine. Then you don't have to keep cooking more things. You can just repurpose that meat into something else. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love that. What are some other systems that you'd love to share? Mm, Well, um, we just moved. So I'm really trying to (laughs) redevelop (laughs) a lot of them. It's like new space. Everything's broken. None of your old systems work. (laughs) But I do one system that I have consistently used for probably eight years now is, um, like I mentioned, time blocking. I use a Google calendar to do that. And I try to do it like from basically the moment I get up until I go, not always till I go to bed. I like some (laughs) planned time in there, but um, until we start winding down for the night of like, okay, these are the things that I know I need to focus on each day. And I suffer from de- decision fatigue so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, I don't know if you do Enneagram or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm a type five. And so I get overwhelmed by information very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am very aware of my energy levels. And so any of those decisions that I have to make through the day, if I'm like, not sure what I should be focusing on or what I should be doing, um, it, it causes my energy to drop and I get overwhelmed. So time blocking has made that so much, so much easier for me that like, I know, okay, it's 10 o'clock. Um, I have the next two hours to accomplish these three things. And here it is in my Google calendar. If I forget, or if I need to adjust it or tweak it, it says right here, exactly what I should be doing. Um, that also really helps me hold boundaries too, to know that I'm not overcommitting myself because I can see it on my calendar. Here's what you're supposed to be doing at that time. If you can move it to another time, <laughs> great. But if there's no other time, you can't say yes, you're going to just regret it. <laughs> Yes. Cause then it feels like they all compound or like snowball effect where it's like all those random things that you didn't get done. And then it's just that overwhelming feeling of like, did I get anything done? Cause then you're just focused on the things you didn't do versus the things you did accomplish. So I love a good plan and a calendar. Um, yes, yes. And yes, because <laughs> I, I don't, I have done the Enneagram. I don't follow it all that much. Um, I'm a big human design person of just like mm-hmm. who you were naturally to be. And so that has like been a huge proponent of like the why and what I do and understanding that there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that that's just not how I operate. So it's not going to work for me, um, to adjust those things. And yes, time blocking totally helps. And depending on like your cycle thinking too. So I need to look up human design more because that's the second time someone has said something about that to me today. Really? This is like jumping out now a lot. So yes, it's a sign. It's your sign. You should totally check that out. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You just put in your birthday, your, um, time of birth, place of birth. I think that's the only thing. There's like three or four things is all you put in and it'll tell you like your, your energy type. 
And my favorite is the decision-making process. Like if you're a gut intuition or emotional decision authority, um, which that's what I am. I wish I was gut where you could ask me a question and I could just be like, yes, that's exactly a hell yes or a hell no. It's more like, oh, let me get back to you. I need to think about that for a while. Cause otherwise I am that overcommitter, even though I put everything on my calendar, I'm thinking, oh, I'm superwoman. I can do it all right. <laughs> and then you burn out. So, yes. so interesting. I'll have to learn more about that. Yes, you should. Perfect. Perfect. So any other, um, systems that you would love to share as a busy mom of four, like maybe um, things like on the farm or things you do with your kids, like yeah. totally going off script here. I just like <laughs> to go with the flow. Yeah, no, you bet. Um, some of the things, that I've been trying to implement and it's, it's been working, I would say to a point, I think all systems evolve over time. And so I'm always a little hard on myself, like, ah, this one's not working anymore. You have to adapt it. And really it's just like, you need to tweak it slightly. But, um, one of them I would say is rotating clothes in kids' closets. Mm. Um, that was like a huge overwhelming thing for me as a mom, um, as a new mom, especially I've got four kids. I have family members that love to give us clothes and thank God for it. Like I don't hardly ever have to buy my kids clothes, but it means we have a lot of like inventory of clothing (laughs) that needs to be sorted through and organized correctly. And, um, so what I started doing is um, I have a box, I have like boxes organized by general sizes, general seasons. And then I have a tote in their closet that anytime something is too small or out of season, it just gets thrown in the tote. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, quarterly basically, or seasonally, I go through and kind of pull things out and reorganize. But um, that has worked really well at this point though, my kids, um, are a lot of them are in the same size. So <laughs> it's like shift and rearrange and, but. So when you do laundry, I bet it's kind of like a crapshoot of like, who does this really belong right. to? <laughs> yes. And who is going to be mad if they see their sister wearing this because yes. it was their shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can wholeheartedly attest to that. Yes. That's a big one. Um, another one in the kitchen that I like to do is um, I like to find base ingredients that we can make a lot of things out of. This is another thing that helps me cook more from scratch or at home instead of relying on those convenience foods that also drive up your grocery bill. Um, Potatoes is a big one of those. So I buy a lot of just raw potatoes and then process them different ways. I'll like make mashed potatoes in a crock pot ahead of time and then freeze those. Um, I'll make French fries, um, you know, just a couple different ways that we would eat potatoes and freeze them Mm -hmm. and have them on hand. Um, cream is another one. I like to make, um, butter. And then of course you get the, the byproduct of buttermilk from that. And then you can make so many other things like with just the heavy whipping cream or the butter or the buttermilk can make ranch. You can make mayonnaise, you know, you can make all these things. Um, and so I love doing that because it, it decreases the number of products that I have to buy. And as long mm-hmm. as I keep ahead of it in my system, <laughs> then it really, um, I have all those things on hand all the time. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I love that. I feel like I'm a cream user, like through soup season, because then it's like, even if it's past its prime, you can throw it in a soup and it's like, well, look at it, it's still good. Like I need yes. that to thicken things anyway. So, right. um, and then needed it for the cookies, like use that in its prime and yeah, then it kind of goes, exactly. that's the use up. So I love that. That is great. Any other like food little hack things? I haven't had anybody really share that deep of food like base ingredients. Like I liked how you said that. Is there any other ones that come to mind? Um, 
tomatoes is the one that I'm trying to get into more. Um, I did not learn how to like can or process tomatoes growing up. So that's kind of like a steep learning curve for me, (laughs) but that's like my next Mount Everest to tackle is like, how can I make tomatoes into a million different things and save them? So we have them in the cupboard. Um, then the other one I would say I'm working on is like your, your breads and your pastas and doughs, um, figuring out, I I've been working on a bread recipe for like years now at this point, trying to perfect it. Um, but figuring out, you know, can I freeze pizza dough and have that in the freezer ready to go? Um, can I have dinner roll dough ready to go? Just removing some of those extra steps that have Mm -hmm. to happen at dinner time to make it more likely that I'm going to reach for something that's homemade versus a frozen pizza or something. Yes. Um, that is awesome. Is a big one. I have like huge bread envy. Like my grand one, my mom, or excuse me, my dad's mom, like really, they had 13 kids. So she obviously had to make everything. Um, and a lot of it. So I always loved that smell of like homemade bread at her house. And then my mom's mom never, like, it was just like totally foreign. So then I never like grew up making bread. Um, but then in recent years, like my mom has started to like make bread and like start it from her own yeast starter, things like that. And I'm a huge sourdough fan, mainly from the, like the taste aspect and the health benefits. Um, do you do your own like yeast and from that start or like how like gung ho are you? (laughs) I have not done that yet. I haven't tackled it. Um, this is a strange maybe, but we, I love it to be cold in our house, uh-huh. like really cold. So fermented products, um, oh. tend to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I'm brewing some kombucha right now, actually. And I have it like sitting next to our furnace so that it will not <laughs> kill the starter. Right. Um, and it'll stay warm enough that it'll stay active. Um, so that's been a little bit of a hang up for me on the, uh, the yeast starters and stuff like that, but we'll figure it out eventually. I appreciate your honesty. Yes. That's where I'm like, I'll just let my mom navigate on this and see how (laughs) it goes. Or like, as she's testing it. And then I think she just couldn't keep up on it. Cause then it like starts to replicate so much. And she was like, okay, I don't need this much bread. And then she didn't want to freeze, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. The thing as she's, as she uh, retired, that was her hobby for a while. So I was like, Hey, I'm enjoying the byproduct of it for sure. So you just keep on making that. So, well, Lexi, is there anything else that we haven't covered? I feel like this interview has been a nice, well-rounded perspective. (laughs) Um, Anything else? Like, I love that we've um, weaved in the sustainability from like you being a producer yourself and then working with egg marketing um, or just like rural companies to then how you're enforcing it or like living it, I guess, like living your truth with your family. Um, so I think it's well-rounded is like much random that we've, um, pulled into here, but it does all like circle together. Well, it is. I, I struggle with that so much. Um, when I like try to post things online for what I do, because it is so like so many different touch points. I'm like, what is all this that draws it together? And since we did talk about this a little bit of like, there are other women who experience this and are multi-passionate and have lots of things going on. Um, I have a business coach and one of the best pieces of advice that she gave me was like, you don't have to stress that you have a lot of different things that you're passionate about. You are what brings them together for people, you as a person. Um, And so it's okay to maybe seem a bit scattered if you're sharing content online, marketing, doing whatever. Um, 
you are the the uniting force that brings all these things together. Um, and I think that almost all of us, you know, you, you mentioned farm wives uh, that you work with or that talk on this podcast. We all have so many things going on, whether we're helping on the farm or we're cooking or we're raising kids or homeschooling, working, starting a business, any of those things, like it can feel really overwhelming if you try to list out all of the responsibilities and all the things that you care about. But if you kind of dial it down to the couple things that you are your priorities and say, okay, this is how my priorities show up in this aspect of my life. This is how this appears here. Those kinds of things. Um, it makes a, a lot less overwhelming um, to yes. just say, these are my priorities and they show up in lots of different ways and that's okay. I love that. That is perfect. And gave me, um, an idea for a reel that's sitting in my draft. So bless you for that. Because <laughs> yes, that is something that it feels like we all have so much in common where it's like some people that you connect with that aren't connected to farming, not to say their life is basic, but it just looks different on all the hats that they wear versus the hats that we wear. Like they don't understand when, you know, it's at the end of the day that you're not just all home and going to eat at the same time, or, you know, that you have your husband around to help with the kids because things on the farm, it's not just a job, it's a lifestyle. And I think that's Mm -hmm. just a big distinction that divides people, but, um, which is very cool that I think it's almost like a revolution of farm wives, because I look at the generation just directly above me, um, that they, they had, but in a different way, because they weren't connected through social media. Like we have had the gift of to feel seen and understood and valued that just because maybe we aren't the front lines of the, the farm, we do have an important role and we do matter and, um, do a lot of important things. So then our spouses can get that part done. So I just think it's really cool. The, um, the eras that we're in for farm wives. So tie that to Taylor Swift there. Right. So (laughs) perfect. Lexi, where can, um, our listeners find you, um, for your podcast, which is a great one and online. Yeah, I would love if you tune into my podcast. It's called Farming on Purpose. Um, And I love feedback on that. If you have like things that you want to hear about, please tell me because I love diving into those topics with people um, and getting to the nitty gritty stuff past the surface level. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Farming on Purpose and on Instagram, TikTok, just about everywhere else at right, like my last name at the moment. So it's right at the moment, but right with a W in front of it. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of just more my, where I tie everything together. I love that. And I love your personality. Thank you so much for being our guest today and everybody make sure and go follow her. She is a fun one. Oh, thank you so much for being here today. My wish is that you are embracing your journey and in fact, harvesting it in your own way. To stay up to date with the latest episodes on Harvesting Her Way podcast, make sure you click follow on whatever platform you are tuning into. Bye-bye for now.